The Hair Voyage podcast is here for beauty professionals. Multi-passionate, entrepreneurial-minded, and interdisciplinary artists. We know you, we see you, and we love you. Hair Voyage is here to expand beauty education. We're sourcing information from different industries in order to support, inspire, and create community that cares for beauty professionals. We're here to propel you forward, integrating your passions and your desires into your beauty business. I'm Mary Alice, and we are on the Hair Voyage podcast, and today we have Alexandra with us, and she is in Boston. Is that correct? Yep, I'm in Boston. I can't wait to go to Boston, but she's in Boston, and um, she's a coach as well as a hairdresser behind the chair, and she has experience in education, and today that's kind of what we're going to be learning about from Alexandra. So let's yeah do you want to add any more to your intro because I know you're a multifaceted person yeah no hi everyone it's so great to be here thank you so much for having me I'm excited to kind of get into the nitty-gritty and talk about everything um I'm happy to tell you like a little bit about my experience how I came up in the industry and yeah we'll take it from there awesome yeah so yeah, let's start with the, your story. Like, so when you started hair school, let's start with that journey. Like, what was your career path like? Yeah, so I actually started working in salons when I was 14. And so I grew up in Maryland. And in Maryland, the laws are a little bit different than Massachusetts. So you could work as an assistant without your license. Wow. So I was like shampooing, toning, glazing, neutralizing perms, like doing all that stuff, which knowing what I know now, it's crazy that I was doing all that because I didn't necessarily understand, you know, all the whys behind it but I could follow instructions. And so I got a lot of training then. And at the time I knew I loved the industry. I mean, I literally remember going to the salon with my mom when I was a kid and I was begging to work at the salon. They're like, you're not old enough. (laughs) And so as soon as I was legally able to get a job working there, I did. Um, And then, you know, it was a really wonderful salon, but at that time I just didn't see it as a career as a viable career. And so I came up to Boston to go to college. I went to Northeastern University. And interestingly enough, I started out as a psychology major, but then I ended up graduating with a degree in communications. But the whole time I was in school, I got a part-time job at a salon in the city working as a receptionist since I couldn't assist. So it kind of gave me a behind the scenes of every job in the salon because I had assisted and then I worked at the front desk. Um, so it gave me a really good understanding of the business. And then after that, I decided to, to pursue a career. And that's when I ended up going to hair school. That's amazing. I love that you had kind of a full circle there too. That's so cool. And it makes so much sense to me of like how all of those things would come together for what you're doing now. That's, that's so awesome. So yeah. So now you're using those let's talk about how that's kind of unfolded. Yeah, definitely. So I went to hair school at Paul Mitchell in Tampa, which shout out to Paul Mitchell. I think they have such a fantastic education program. Um, I always say they're like the Ivy League of hair schools, you know, they really do prepare their students. But even being in hair school, having worked at salons, I felt, you know, like I already had that real life experience. 
And a lot of that experience is, was around, you know, how to communicate with clients. Um, and, you know, to be quite frank, like I saw the difference in how clients communicated with the different people in the salon, right? So like as an assistant, as a front desk, they never spoke to their stylist the way that they spoke to people at the front desk. I don't know if you've experienced that, but, but that was a really big eye opening for me. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, when I became a stylist, I knew that. And so it helped me communicate effectively with all of my coworkers because I knew that people were getting treated differently for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I have the good fortune of working at an incredible sal- salon in that Stilisti on Newberry street where the owner Marissa has like an incredible education program and is, you know, fantastic in education. So I've had the benefit of having so much education over the years Um, and something that I've just kind of observed is that going to all of these classes, so much of the education is focused on technical skills, which is so important, but there's not enough emphasis on the kind of soft skills, if you will, on the communication. And, um, so that's kind of how my, my coaching program evolved. I love that so much because as what, as we've been, building our business at Her Voyage, there's so much we realize that, you know, this is a connection-based industry, which we all know when we go into it. And then that's just so much of the work is just the connection, right? And that's a lot of the reason why people are in it or are drawn to it in the first place. So I love that you really zoned in on that and that you can help people with that because I think it's, we all can, communication and connection is so fascinating to me because we all learn so differently based on our mm-hmm. history, our stories, our families, our environment. And yeah, like you said, that can just make such a difference and in the trajectory of how and who you meet and all kinds of, all kinds of little impacts throughout just one day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think because so many people are drawn to this industry because of connection, I think that's almost one of the things that makes it so challenging, right? Because you want to connect with your clients and usually the way that people connect is over personal information. You know, when you meet someone, it's like, you want to know where did they come from? Like what's their background? And that's how you get to know somebody and like their story. But that becomes challenging when you're also cultivating a business relationship Yes, because the lines can get really blurry. Mm -hmm. And so people want to connect, connect, connect. And so they do it by sharing so much personal stuff. And then when it comes time for a business transaction, challenges can arise. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, with charging, with even conflict, if they're like, if they don't want to tell you that they didn't like this one piece of hair. Totally. Yeah. Like they're afraid to tell you they don't like their hair when it's not personal, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there can be a lot of challenges that arise. And so what I've found is that you can have healthy personal relationships with clients without sharing too much of your personal life. I love Without that. getting too personal. This is, this is boundary work right here. Yeah, it's huge. And it's, and it's healthier for both the stylist and the client, you know, because then the client can feel comfortable saying, oh, hey, you know, this, this wasn't exactly how I wanted it. Not thinking like, oh, I'm going to hurt their feelings. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can have those quote unquote difficult conversations knowing that you're in 
a safe space and not going to hurt the other person's feelings because at the end of the day, it is a business, you know, and while it's a personal business and of course we care so deeply about our clients, you have to have exactly that, that level of boundary. And this is one of the things we're so passionate about is creating sustainability for beauty professionals. And I think that this is one of the key things because like you were saying, it's better for the um, stylist and the client, but it's also better for the, the whole salon and the industry when one person has more sustainability or has more, has better boundaries. It's really helping everyone because then the standards are changing and it's just, you know, like even if it's um, a client saying, I want to be platinum blonde and you I have the boundaries or the communication to say, you know, take them on a journey through really unpacking that. And then you find out that would actually be a bad choice for them for whatever reasons, their hair, their mental health, whatever. Especially even just starting over, like I'm thinking of 
clients that I've had and I, they already know that, um, that I already know I have this like kind of unspoken permission, but it's really important even to just revisit that and just each day is a new day. You still need to, you should, I should still ask. Mm-hmm. That's, that's trust building because it's, it's this consent. It's still someone's body. Right, exactly. And to your point, it's like there's an understanding because of course I'm doing your hair. I have to touch it, right? <laughs> but I think establishing that kind of baseline respect, um, it really helps to allow the client to feel at ease and to feel trust and safe in that space. Yeah, yeah. And honored, totally. That's beautiful. Mm. That's great. So when a stylist comes to you um, for and just up leveling mm-hmm. around the communication, is do you just kind of start unpacking? Like, you ask them, like, how do you start your consultations, or do you ask them if they're having specific challenges? Because I think sometimes people don't really know, might not know where their blockages are. I absolutely agree. And it's like everything, right? Like I always say, I, there's so many similarities between, you know, I have dating and clients, right? Like it's so easy to look at your friends and be like, Oh my gosh, how are you making those decisions? Like, duh, did you not see that red flag? Um, but sometimes when you're in the shoes, like you can't see your, your own exactly, you know, where your pain points are necessarily. Um, and so when I start with working with someone in a coaching way, I actually have them kind of assess it's everything from mindset all the way through. And so kind of laying out their stress level throughout the day. So what are the things that are, you know, causing you stress or causing you tension? Um, You know, is it when you have a new client? Is it when a client's texting you asking for an appointment? You know, what are the triggers that are making you upset? And then we kind of get to the root of it. Um, Is it talking about price, right? So we work on money mindset because we all have certain beliefs and ideas that we've been kind of raised with about money mm-hmm. and that's going to affect then how you communicate your money your prices to your clients because of the belief set that you have right so it, it's kind of this like interwoven but it works all the way like I said from mindset and and forward working through all of that because we can't have a conversation about how you're going to increase your prices and how you're going to communicate that to your client if you have a belief that's false if you have a belief that's false about about money or about your worth or about something like that then you can't ever have that other conversation because we have to fix what's back there before you can move forward yeah Yeah, and I think it's like what you and I were talking about earlier, where it's all connected. So it really is all interwoven. And one piece over here, like money mindset, might actually unclog this other thing that you're stuck on with like starting to do bigger services or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I love how the, the puzzle pieces start to form when you're like, when you're learning about things like, the the mindsets you didn't even know you had. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We all have stuff to unpack, you know, and it's, and I think a huge part of it is, is really working through that and knowing, you know, and truly believing your worth and your value, because then you don't have to 
demand your worth or prove your value, right? Mm -hmm. You just show up confidently mm -hmm. and people see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you attract those people because you're just, it's not even, um, you don't spend time worrying about like if someone inquires for something that you you know is just not going to fit. Whereas I think like early in my career, I was just trying to, it was a lot of people pleasing. Like I was just like, well, and I was worried about them being, you know, if I don't do this for them, who's going to do it? And mm -hmm. I had so much investment in other people's experience that mm -hmm. um, I was really diminishing my own experience. And that is not sustainable. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's so true. And I think that that's a learning curve that, I mean, I would venture that all stylists go through mm -hmm. because we are, we want to make people happy. That's why we got into what we do, right? Because it feels good to make someone feel good. Yeah. You yeah. know, like when you turn someone around in the chair and they're like, ah, you know, I haven't looked this good in years. Like that feels good. Yeah. And so we want to keep giving that to people. And so it's hard to say no, it's hard to say that. Um, but to your point earlier about the platinum blonde, like I would rather tell someone because we, we know this as colorists, right? Like if you have black oxide on your hair, I'm not making you a platinum blonde. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people like your hair is going to be on, I can make you a platinum blonde, but your hair is going to be on the floor. Mm -hmm. So that's not doing much good for either of us. Right. Mm -hmm. So turning someone away for a service that you know, they're not the right fit for mm -hmm. elevates you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. You know, that just elevates you as, as an expert. Mm -hmm. And, and also I think in addition to, you know, in that regard, you know, knowing it's not the right, but also if you're not the right person for them, you know, there's certain, there's certain things that I would consider myself, like that's my specialty and certain things that aren't. And because of that, I'm comfortable saying, you know, I can find someone that's a better fit for you. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there's there, I think trusting in that someone else was saying to me, like, um, a couple of days ago when you say no to those people, you're saying yes to the person that's going to fill the space. And I think when mm -hmm. you're, but even before that, you still have to have a little bit of confidence to know, like that money mindset to trust that that will happen for you, you know? Mm -hmm it's still it's a catch-22 if you're just if you're still in like scarcity mode you're too scared to say no to people in order to create the space for the new people so in in that I think that that's what the key is because we can hear all these theories all day but mm -hmm. the key is really having support and that's why I think coaching is so massively important because it's someone that has been on the other side and or has been you know seen other people go through so you know like you're holding this space for people and and just the just knowing that someone's with you I think does so much to our ability to move through challenges no too. absolutely like it's it's so many levels it's the accountability um it's having someone objective hmm. and it's you know having a good coach it's like having someone who will kind of like hold your hand and also kick your ass, you know, <laughs> like call you, call you on the BS when it's there, yes. but hold your hand while they're doing it. Yeah. Because your coworkers aren't good, aren't able to do that. And your friends aren't able to do that. You know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a unique relationship, right? Like absolutely. Uh, you can't expect 
your yeah your friendships to um to hold that like prof- it's a professional space mm-hmm. what yeah else? and it's, Sorry, it's no I was just gonna say it's really valuable like we always say coaches with coaches right like I have coaches and I have people that are in my kind of um what is the word I'm looking for but in my uh, life right who support me in those areas so that I can continue to support other people Oh my gosh, yes, because I, I just, as you grow, and as you, like, you're all, more challenges keep coming, so it's like, you have to keep growing in order to keep supporting people, Yeah, it's just such a flow, which is so funny, because I think I used to have this, um, I think when you're in, like, a scarcity mindset, you're like, when am I going to get to the, like, the, I don't know, just, a, like, a resting place, mm-hmm. and I think what has changed for me and what I'm, I mean, I guess I'm still working towards this, but is like giving my permission, myself the permission that it's, there's no resting place. Like it's, it's okay to always be in motion and that, but making peace with that feel, those feelings, Mm -hmm. it's always going to feel uncertain. Mm -hmm. And that can be, I can, change my relationship with that experience instead of being scared of that I can feel excited about the uncertainty of growing no I love that one of the mantras that I kind of developed over the years was continual growth with always forward motion Mm. and so it's just that idea it's like you're always moving forward but you have to always be open to growth because there's never I mean it sounds trite but like there never is a destination you know, like once you get somewhere, there's the next level to get to, you know, you're at the bottom of another mountain. And what I can speak to for behind the chair as a stylist and how my career developed, you know, cultivating the skills to create those client relationships is really challenging at first, you know, like I had all my to do's and all my this with the clients and I would, you know, and it's really challenging. It's like, you're pushing this wheel up the mountain, up the mountain, up the mountain, And it doesn't always stick with everyone, you know, sometimes there are clients that aren't the right fit for you and it's being okay with that. But then the more you do it, the more you do it, the more that all those things become ingrained in you and become habit. And it's not that you go on autopilot, but it's like working out, you know, comparing it to a muscle, right? Like you're doing the same exercise, but now you're lifting more weight and it's easier. And so it's the same thing. These skills just become ingrained in you and it becomes easier and easier to do it with your clients so that all of a sudden, next thing you know, you know, your book is full and you have all these clients that you love and you enjoy and all these healthy relationships. Um, It doesn't mean that you stop evolving. It just means that, you know, the process gets easier every time. Yeah. I think about that too in like the beginning of um, when you're building your clientele and when I was just beginning my career, the Instagram was still, it wasn't a tool we were learning in school. And so you, there was, I think it was like the very end, <laughs> it was like the end mm-hmm. of the where um, it, you didn't have your personal branding right off the bat, you know? And so when mm-hmm. I think back to that time period when I was working for salons that had lots of walk-in culture and it was just like, you just took whoever, it 
was so um such a different experience than when you've cultivated people that you know you already like your style because you've already put your style out in the world and so they found that they saw that they liked it it was such a different experience and um and and being able to even know that information you know is impactful of it's like being the new learner when you're just taking anyone and everyone and you don't know what they're gonna walk in with it was kind Mm -hmm. of that you're just on you're you're a new learner and you have to be ready for anything where when you have that's so much anxiety (laughs) I know I'm literally you talking about because I'm trying to think now when did Instagram come out 2010 is that when it came out to that it must have yeah yes so I was like behind the chair for two or three years before Instagram even existed and then once Instagram existed, it was like people were using it for personal, but you know, then there was those early adapters, right. That were using it, but that was so, and then there was resistance from people who've been in the industry for so long, but didn't want to get online. Like we could talk a whole podcast about this. Right. But, but I remember that feeling of having a new client on my book. Right. And I'd be like, who did they cut? Like, who did they tell you what they wanted? Right. Like, cause I was like so scared to cut short hair. So I'd be like, Oh my God. And you know, I would be like looking in the waiting room, like, Oh God, is it someone with short hair? Like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and that feeling, like I, you say that and I can still my, like every cell of my body is brought back to that fear <laughs> of being a new stylist and having so much unknown in your day. That is really scary. So vulnerable. And so yeah like you just didn't have a lot of protection because you don't have time to prepare how can you prepare for that yeah absolutely and so much of what we learn you know you learn a lot in school yes you learn a lot in education but so much of what you learn is just by doing and that's really freaking scary and so when you're juggling that with also how do you speak to someone how do you like like it's a lot that's what I was gonna say I was like I even the skill was one thing because yeah like you said you don't know what they're going to come in wanting or they'll change even if they say oh it's a full foil they might come in and say actually I want extensions or (laughs) but the worst part I think the scarier part was like the communication of like it was that's basically so say you have 10 appointments that's 10 first dates yep it's a lot much energy now yeah now that I'm spoiled and haven't been in that space I'm like me thinking about going on 10 first dates is (laughs) exhausting it's just yeah (laughs) right and it's 10 first dates where you're trying to prove yourself you know where oftentimes if you're just starting in the industry you're very young and so you have people saying like oh my kids are older than you um you know and so you're trying to prove yourself to people mm-hmm. um connect with them sh- prove yourself as a professional and you're trying to do all that while you're doing their hair yeah <laughs> like and that's a lot and be and be an artist like you're trying exactly to cultivate your own like with each person that's how you're growing your craft so you're like let me do this so i can take this perfect picture and like you're trying to better yourself so not only yeah there's just so many layers to that and if the communication to say the conversation was dull or hard that makes everything else harder Mm-hmm. absolutely because you're, you're like we're not vibing we're not connecting 
I don't know if they're like, if they don't like their hair, they don't like me. Yeah. And then your mind starts wandering and you start, and that starts making you insecure. So then you start fumbling and it's like this vicious cycle. Um, It's funny. I wish I remembered. I don't remember, but I remember some client, someone telling a stylist who didn't talk to their clients. They were like, you know, I don't know. He probably charges a thousand dollars for a haircut and doesn't talk to his clients. And I was like, well, that's because he doesn't have anything interesting to say, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm joking, but I do, you know, it's a balance because Mm -hmm. you do have to have a connection with people. Like you said, it's a personal business. You also have to understand them so you can give them hair that suits them. Um, But I do think it's also fair if you are doing something really technical to say to your client, like, Hey, I need a couple of minutes just to be quiet and really focus right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think asking for it in that way, that's going to make them respect you, but it's knowing to ask for it in that way, other than just getting really quiet and insecure. If you just say, Hey, I need a couple of minutes to really focus. Like if you're telling someone you really need a couple of minutes to focus on their hair, they're going to be quiet because they want it perfect. <laughs> you know? And you can, there's so many artful ways you can create that space. Like you can offer books, you can offer meditation moments or music or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely, it, but it is, it's all about the art of communicating your needs. Because I mm-hmm. actually love the, that example of the guy that charges a thousand dollars that doesn't even, <laughs> that doesn't even talk to people because it's like, if that person knows that they're an introvert and that talking to people all day drains them, and they communicate that to their clients and it's on their website and he actually i've met i met a stylist that has silent retreats so she has mm-hmm. one day um a month where it's just known that if you book on that day it's going to be a silent retreat where she's only going to talk to That's you cool. and then you're not going to be talking to her either and no like she it's only her in the space so she creates that internal experience where you can go there for peace but it's intention it's not awkwardness it's not Mm -hmm. i think when you think of some a stylist not talking to you that can sound that can feel like the devil wears prada or something right totally like scary and mean right but when you when you change when you communicate the Mm -hmm. experience or the intention you have so much more power to create things you need yeah, and what I'll say about that is I think that as a professional, it's your duty to make that space. Yeah. Because I think that often clients will feel like they need to talk to you or um, you know, that they don't want that quiet space or they're afraid to ask for it. That they think if they ask for it, it's rude. Yeah. But if you as the professional make that space and make it okay for them to be quiet, then maybe they'll jump at the opportunity. You know, a lot of times, like, that's the one to three hours that that person gets for themselves that day, or maybe that week or that month. And how, and that's why I always say, like, how they want to spend that time is up to them. And I'm there to make it a safe space for them, but how they want to spend it, whether it's talking, reading, writing, or just being quiet, that's, that's their time and their choice. I think also being forward, like having your communication clear, that's up these boundaries for people. Um, because you have like going back to when so many different people were coming through, or even when you have cultivated your own vibe, 
you still have a lot of different personalities, different needs, different ideas, especially when people start to get close to you, they'll offer suggestions or like, oh, you should do this. I would love this. You should do extensions, mm-hmm. you know, like all these different things that come up and that can also be kind of, um, what's the word, like not that maybe distracting, but like it, it sometimes if you're not clear about what you're doing, then um, it's easier to get distracted by all of those other suggestions. But when you have a really clear path of like, yep, extensions are great, but not for me, this is what I do. You know, mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's so many different ways to pivot and turn in, in beauty that mm-hmm. there's like never ending possibilities and everyone's gonna, like they watch an Instagram video and they're like, you should do rainbow unicorn hair ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่
and it's a client and I'm just using this as an example. Um, and you get like angry that the client's texting you or messaging you or DMing you on Instagram. Who are you angry at? Are you angry at them because they're messaging you or are you angry at yourself because you haven't set a clear boundary about when you want them to communicate with you or how you want them to communicate with you, you know? And it's interesting because prior to COVID, I never gave out my personal cell phone number. Mm. Never. I work at a salon. We have a front desk, all my bookings, everything goes through the salon. Mm. So unless there was a specific reason for me to be communicating with a, a client outside of that, you know, they had access to me through email or Instagram or whatever, but my personal cell phone, nobody had. Because that was a boundary for me because yeah. I didn't want to be texting people about appointments. That's why I work at a salon where we have front desk management, right? Yeah. And then after COVID, that was something that I had to shift because we were at home on lockdown, rescheduling all of our own appointments. Um, and I was very clear with my clients after that point, because now everybody has my phone number, which is awesome, you know, and it's, it's totally it's great. And my boundary with them was I said, look, you can text me, call me, DM me, email me 24 seven. But what I'll tell you is that I'll respond within 24 to 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So my phone may go off at midnight, but my notifications are turned off. And so I'll respond when it's an appropriate time for me to respond. And so that for me, just creating that boundary, I don't get stressed when someone texts me. Yeah. And then they're not stressed because they're not like, she didn't respond two hours later. Right. Or they're not worried. And because I'm that way, like if I think of something, I have to do it in the moment because if I don't, I'm on to the next thing and I might not do it. Mm -hmm. And so I know that a lot of people in this day, you know, in this day and age are like that. So I'm like, as soon as you think of it, text me and I'll get back to you when I can. <laughs> so that way they're not feeling guilty of like, oh, should I be texting her this late? I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. But just so you know, I'll get back to you probably the next day. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That does, it feels really clean, like a very clean, energetic exchanges. And mm -hmm. I think that, that's really helpful for everybody. What, um, what do you think, what are like three good qualities of a coach? Can we talk about what makes a good coach? Yeah, I think what makes a good coach, that's uh, definitely a, I, it could be like a multi-layered, so, you know, so we could talk for a long time about this, but I think that is one of them. Having clear boundaries mm -hmm. is one of them because that allows the person you're coaching to, um, you know, kind of do some learning on their own. You know, being a coach isn't giving someone all the answers, mm -hmm. but it's about guiding them to find the right answers. Yeah. You know, so like part of my coaching program, we talk about nutrition, we talk about fitness and well-being. I am very upfront. I am not a nutritionist. I'm not a personal trainer. I am not a physical therapist. But what I can do is tell you my journey in those three areas. And I can help guide you to find the right fit for you. Because in the same breath, like what works for me probably isn't what's going to work for you. So me telling you what I do, it's, it's helpful for you to learn how it came to that. But what I do doesn't matter because it, it doesn't work for you, but I can help you find what works for you. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And then I think, you know, kind of along those same lines, it's empowering people, but not enabling them. So it's, you know, like you want to teach people, 
that they can do this on their own. So it's finding a balance of, you know, helping, helping people find their triggers, find their pain points, um, find where they might have holes in their boundaries and help them build those up so that they can eventually kind of do that on their own without having to, um, like come for all the answers every time. Yeah. You know, like when you were mirroring the client too, Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same of like almost permission to yeah there's something really comforting about that yeah and then I think it's kind of what you were saying before just holding space for people and again you know I I've had a lot of years of experience and I think that my experience from for me personally and also what I've observed is very powerful But again, that doesn't mean it's that person's path. So it's finding a balance of, you know, to be a good coach of sharing your journey, um, but leaving space for the person to have their own journey. So it's just, it's, it's about holding space for people. Yeah. And using your experience to, to to better other people's paths I think I get really excited about that of like you don't have to have had the best path like that sometimes having the harder path means you have more experience to to guide yeah well I gotta read this quote I literally took a screenshot of it this morning and I was like yes and you just (laughs) um oh my gosh where is it I had to get this because it's more eloquent than I can repeat it um Oh, I love it. It says the real trip is when you realize that every one of your mistakes, failures, and F-ups are all part of the plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's the best way to learn color correction? (laughs) Mess up someone's color and then have to fix it. (laughs) Right? Yes. (laughs) You know, it's scary and it's uncomfortable, but like, if you've never turned someone's hair blue by accident, guess what? You don't know how to fix it. Yeah, and it's so gratifying. You know? Like I, I color corrections are one of my favorite things now because the process feels so good. It's like mm-hmm. the, it, the transformation aspect. Absolutely. The accomplishment. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you can study color theory all day long, and don't get me wrong, it's important. You have to study color theory. I'm not saying skip color theory. You have to study it. But actually doing it, like actually getting your hands in it, that's how you learn, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's so so beautiful. And there's so much peace in that too, of knowing that like the things that you, the experiences that we have all collected on our journeys or, I mean, like you said, you added all these other subjects into your coaching because it is all it's all relevant. I, I, mm-hmm. I keep telling people that are, people that are afraid to be mentors um, with Hair Voyage, they're like, well, I'm not a coach. And as we say, and, and a lot of, of people have these interdisciplinary interests, like mm-hmm. what you were saying too, with um, athletics and just, it's all relevant because hair is attached to a human. So yep. literally everything <laughs> is relevant. <laughs> it's so true anything you're interested in is is available in the beauty industry along with these services and that's what's so exciting to me because it's so vast but um 
I think, yeah, like being able to help people understand that the experiences that you've had, bad, good, challenging, exciting, those are all going to be so important for somebody else. And so just being able to like learn to share your story, which I think mm-hmm. you're really good at since I think it was either your first or second episode about really personal parts of your story. And I think that that's, that's also probably a quality of a good coach is being able to be transparent about, and I don't know if it's transparent, but just, um, just being able to be seen yourself. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That helps people trust you. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, sharing, sharing what you've gone through, whether it's in your personal life or, you know, specifically in the salon behind the chair as a stylist, it's not like, um, this self-gratifying look at me, look at me, but it's more like, Hey, I've been there too. Mm. You know, it's okay. I think that's a huge, really important point. I've actually come up a couple of times in um, the last week with different beauty professionals that I've talked to, even being on Instagram with people, the communication about saying, this is what I want to share. And then then they get caught up in not wanting to come off as communicating, I'm so awesome or whatever. Right, (laughs) right. Whatever that is, that intimidation factor of like not wanting to be judged for being arrogant maybe. what do you think the difference in the communication is? I mean, like, I know authenticity, but, like, how do we, how do we even, like, kind of categorize, or not categorize authenticity, but, like, how could you help people lean into just being able to share rather than um, worrying about coming off a certain way, I guess? This uh, this is another subject that I think we could like jam out on for yeah. hours because it's so because it's so there's so many layers to it you know and I think authenticity is a big one that comes up and at at the root of it like authenticity is just doing things that you believe in mm-hmm. it's just being you and not putting on a show not putting on. I'm going to come back to that point, not putting on, you know, someone else's demeanor characteristics or like how you think you should be or this or that. And I think that, um, it is challenging and the real answer is a lot of self work. You know, it's, it's really like getting down to the nitty gritty of like, being comfortable with yourself, like really spending time alone, like really liking yourself. And I think that that is a really hard thing for a lot of people. And I can say that because I've been there, (laughs) you know, like I was in the place for many years where I didn't like myself. And so I would do things to, to cover it up or to whatever, you know, whether it's like from, you know, wearing makeup to, to drinking alcohol or whatever, like all these different things that I think society normalizes um, to kind of dull who you actually are. And it's not till you strip all that away and sit in the uncomfortable raw moments with yourself Mm -hmm. that then you can show up authentically. Yeah. And so it's tough. It's a lot of hard work. And I don't think there's any one answer for any, um, there's not a generalized answer. 
yeah. unfortunately for people. Yeah. But I think like the, the root of authenticity is, is like not saying things you don't believe in. Yeah. I think that's a good, really good check-ins to just ask, like, do I believe in this? And all of those things that you just said are just helpful to, yeah, just check in when you're, when you're worried about that. You can just use those tools to reflect. Yeah, absolutely. And most of the time, you know, I think right off the bat, you know, if you're being weird or if it's true for you. (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, again, uh, talking about when like Instagram and a lot of hairstylists like really popped off like a lot of early adapters to Instagram who were just on there sharing they really popped off and there was a lot of um personalities and I remember back in 2012 like watching these people and I was like oh, they're so this or oh, they're so that and I was like what am I really mad about what am I really mad about they're showing up and they're doing it and how do I know if that's authentic to him or not? I don't know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What am I mad about? And then what was I mad about was I was mad about the fact that he was showing up and doing it and I was too scared to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't until I acknowledged that and was like, okay, I'm not mad at him or her or, you know, whatever. Like I'm mad at myself mm-hmm. for not doing that. And so how do I shift that? Yeah, I love that tool of using jealousy or um, criticism when, when a critic starts to show up of, of just being like, oh, this is just telling me something that this is something I also desire. And then mm-hmm. turning and going even taking it a step further of realizing I can have this if like that person is showing me that this is available to me in the universe. Mm-hmm. instead of it being about them and what they did in their life it's just another thing that you're realizing I get to claim this desire mm-hmm. absolutely it's I love so that. helpful <laughs> it's so powerful it is but it's hard to say that right like it's hard to say why am I having these uncomfortable feelings? Like it's easier just to say, oh, they're stupid. Oh, they're yeah. fake. Oh, they're this. It's easier. Because then you don't have to be accountable for anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to be accountable for anything. You can just blame it on everyone else. <laughs> it's harder. It's harder to do the work. <laughs> it's best you to know, do. but I mean, in the moment it's harder, but then I think the long term, the long term uh, it's harder. Feels so much better. Be, it's, yeah, the long term it's harder to be stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and to your point, like, that's why it is important to have coaches and to have mentors and to have people that do hold you accountable and do say like, Hey, what, you know, why is that bothering you so much or what, you know, whatever it may be. And, um, my therapist, my mental health guru that I, that I talk about and share about one of the things that she talks about, um, is the spiral of life mm-hmm. and how, a lot of times, you know, she'll be working with someone and they'll be like, oh, why is this coming up again? Like, why am I having a struggle with this issue again? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, look at the spiral. Like life is this eternal spiral. And so things are gonna keep coming up, one, until you've dealt with them, but two, they'll keep coming up and perhaps the tools you have to deal with them are differently. And so that can be related to anything. Like it can be related to challenging conversations, relationships, personal or professional, or even like 
you know, situations that sit in your chair, like the first time a pixie cut or a double process sat in your chair. It's like you're pooping your pants because you're freaking out about doing it. And every time your toolbox gets bigger and bigger. And so every time, you know, that challenging situation sits in your chair, it gets easier and easier. And so it still may make you nervous. And if I'm being quite honest, you still should get nervous. I still get nervous when I have new clients. <laughs> like if you have a new client and you're just like, oh, I got this, like whatever. Like I still get nervous. Like, oh, is that the right placement? Oh, is that the right glaze? Did I put five mils too much of this? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not still having that, then that means you don't have any skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Like that means you don't care. Yeah. yeah. And the real secret about our industry is you, you have to care. Mm-hmm. Like you have to care about your clients at the end of the day. And if you don't, if, if you're still not getting, and look, you should, you should be confident in your skills, but there should be like a little twinge of like, Oh, I hope I did that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like you have the confidence in your skills, but I just want to make sure that that person's totally happy. Mm-hmm. I love that you say that because I think it's, it's just like that mentality we were talking about earlier, of like getting to this place of like, when will I arrive? And mm-hmm. I think it's so important that actually not arriving makes you better or like being, because when you arrive, you've, like you said, you've checked out. And, oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, that, that's a really, a really, really important reason to have a coach too. It's, it's so easy to get burnt out emotionally and still care about the craft or maybe care about the people, but not the craft. Like I've seen a lot of people be in one, one foot or the other. Mm-hmm. And the beauty happens when both are in alignment and you need support to maintain that sometimes. Like, and it can just be in different seasons, right? Like you could mm-hmm. have really good Christmas season and then by summer you're, I, I don't know, burnout happens for such vastly different reasons. Oh, absolutely. And it creeps up. So sometimes mm-hmm. you need someone to tell you, this sounds like burnout. Yeah, no, it's true. And what we do, we give so much, you know, we give so much and you can't, you can't discount that in the toll that it takes on you. And so that's why, you know, part, a lot of the things that I coach are around mindset, daily habits, um, you know, different strategies for how you deal with you when you have challenging things going on in your life, right? Because we give so much that if you don't have things in place to protect yourself, your burnout is going to happen at a much faster rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to have the tools to come out of it. And I do think that is probably one of the main challenges that our industry faces. Yeah. And burnout, when you, when you are in major burnout, it's like, you can't even, it's harder to even reach out to find support at that point. So that's why it's like building that into your pre, like having support before you even get to burnt out. Cause even when mm-hmm. you have support, you may still get there. Absolutely. And so, yeah, like ha- being able to find that it's like with mental health and, um, I was just going to say that <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is we're right in line. It's so true, <laughs> right? You go to your, you go to your primary care doctor once a year for a physical, right? Make sure everything's running. And, you know, we were just talking about that with mental health. I, I believe there should be that same kind of check-in for mental health, that when you're at a good place, you're checking in. And 
you know, any area of your life where you want to thrive. I think that a lot of people look at coaching as like a luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would beg to differ. I would beg to differ, you know, whether it's, um, you know, in any avenue of your life where you want to not just get by, but you want to thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it creates luxury. I think that's the difference. Ooh, yes. Yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> I love that. It creates luxury. It's so true. I just made this Instagram post uh, on my personal page yesterday, and it was like when I, my last trip to Seattle, I had these three juices from the press juicery, which I love. I love press juicery. We yes. don't have them in Alaska, so whenever ah. I go there, I'm just like obsessed. And they're so pretty, and they're so good, and they're just so like that was like a moment of luxury, and I had taken a picture of it. And now that we can't travel, you know, I was just kind of reflecting of like what is luxury and right now in 2020 just feeling healthy is a luxury you know and Mm -hmm. and I was I was kind of unpacking that word and and I think um creating luxury for yourself is investing and being um what's the what's the opposite of preventative um (laughs) like I I mean I guess it is preventative but it's proactive proactive yeah yeah (laughs) I was like I'm not sure where I'm like (laughs) react yeah it's like being, that that creates luxury in your life to not be mm-hmm. reactive right mm-hmm. and that's so even just thinking about that it feels like ease like, yeah it feels a lot lighter that's a goal. yeah and i think i mean the goal for the industry would be i mean i my my grand vision right because I have a background in communications and I have a master's certificate in business, my grand dream for the industry is to create a program that's like a two or four year school training, you know, where it's like a bachelor's degree of, right? Where you not only learn the, the technical skills of doing hair, but you learn all of this stuff. Like that's my ultimate dream for the industry. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that we're like decades away from that, but this is my first that's little like chip yeah. in the bucket, um, <laughs> like little drop in the bucket to start chipping away at that goal. Um, because there is so much to that. And so the goal for me would be that everyone who's starting in the industry came to the table with these skills, but that's not the reality of it. Right. And so a lot of times I would love to be working with people who, you know, they don't have any quote unquote bad habits, but the reality is some people are, you know, years, sometimes decades into the industry when they realize that, um, you know, they're, I hate to word, like use the word eroding. That sounds so awful, but they're having challenges in their business and they can't identify why. Mm-hmm. and they're like but I have all these trainings I have all these technical skills like I'm and and they're not wrong like I, some of the best most technically skilled stylists their career could be suffering the most yeah. Yeah. because they don't have these other skills built in because they and it's not their fault they weren't taught them yeah or you know no one no one told them they were important yeah and or they were just so focused on building those technical skills that they mm-hmm. didn't integrate all these other small steps along the way or get the exposure to these other things because they weren't you know if you go into some extreme apprentice program you're not doing behind the chair work as often so you're not like doing client work you're just 
shadowing someone else for the whole five years or whatever it is it's so there's so many different ways to make it happen and yeah that's it's so true there's there's always an area that yeah that someone else can can see um have I can't I'm trying to think of this design show that I'm in love with on Netflix so I can't ever remember the name of it but mm-hmm. it I'll send it to you when I find it yeah <laughs> it when I watched this show I binge watched the whole thing and it, it's mm-hmm. about all different types of design so they have um interior design car design shoe design and they each it's a mini doc series so oh, cool um, episode is a different type of designer and they talk about how design impacts humans basically mm. and they had stage design set design museum designers and I was like how do we not have a hair and makeup person uh, here? yeah oh how is this and so that whole show inspired me and I also want us to have a university where we like when you think about those people interior design they don't mm-hmm. they don't take pottery they take all this stuff they take all these things that are <laughs> design basics and mm-hmm. integrate this thing right and when you listen to the way that they speak about how design impacts like um they talk about having empathy for your client and so when they create a room they sit and think about how the client's going to experience it we mm-hmm. do that every day, every minute. Mm-hmm. We, we're so in depth, and yet we don't speak about it in this way of this established art. But what was so interesting is that they said interior design used to be seen in the design world as silly mm-hmm. until like things like IKEA and stuff started really, until the consumer started valuing it. Mm-hmm. And then the design world it really took off and I think that that's where we're headed too yeah with Instagram the consumer has started to care about beauty more Mm -hmm. more than ever absolutely yeah we are we are gonna have this university and I can't wait to be a part of you yeah I'm excited and I do think that there's so much opportunity for growth and there's so much so much of that opportunity and it's it's our role or dare I say it's our duty to show that to other stylists to show that to the consumer to show the value you know and one of the things I always say like people might not appreciate a good haircut till they've had a bad one yeah (laughs) yeah you know um or you know speaking about pricing like moves away yeah yeah um I mean, yeah, I've had people travel across, across the country or, you know, come from other countries. Like I've had clients living in other parts of the world and they'll fly home twice a year to get their hair done because they just, they refuse to do it anywhere else, you know, or they had it done there and refuse to do it again. (laughs) You know, there's, there's a real value in that. And I, and I think that it's about owning that and embracing it and building each other up um, because it's not a, oh, I'm so amazing, look at me. It's a, you know, we all rise together as as an industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes me so excited. I, I think, yeah, and just watching and that moment when they talked about interior design, having that shift, 
and knowing that a different industry, because I remember even just kind of the facade of design, when I think back to design shows when I was a kid or a teenager watching them on TV, it was, it was definitely, there was like a less serious um, mm-hmm. like portrayal of them. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, um, that, I mean, obviously we have that, we have that wound in beauty too, where it's a constant, like, yeah, just a, a catch 22. Well, there's that whole beauty school dropout Mm-hmm. right My, what was that movie Greece? like there's a whole song about it in Greece beauty school drama yeah. <laughs> and I I experienced resistance within the industry mm-hmm. right so I have a bachelor's degree in communications and then and you know worked for a little bit and then decided to go to hair school and I remember people, hairstylists saying like what are you doing you have a college degree why would you why would you do hair mm-hmm. yeah people who were in the industry yeah and I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, there's so much possibility in this industry. Oh, sorry. There's so much possibility. I'm getting excited. I know. <laughs> so much possibility. And there's, there, you know, endless opportunities. And, and that is what it is. And so, like I said before, like, I dare say it's our responsibility on the individual level to elevate our craft, to elevate our industry. Mm-hmm. And those are, are the ripples that are going to make waves and that are going to make change. Yeah. I remember um, a client saying, I, so I had, I was telling a client that I couldn't, that my schedule had changed because I was going to university on these other days that she was not mm-hmm. going. And she was like, wow, that's so great. Most people don't do that in your field. And I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of, a, it was like a backhanded compliment. Like it was just so mm-hmm. fun that she was like, how great of you to like, I, it was just so weird. I still, it's just so weird. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I, um, I, a couple years ago went back to school. I think I told you to get my master's certificate in business. And it was interesting because a lot, and, and my clients are amazing and, you know, super supportive, but a lot of them asked me like, so wait, what are you going to do? Like you're leaving, right? You're leaving. What are you going to do? And I was like, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> you know like it but it's it's rare in the industry to pursue an education outside of technical training and still want to continue Mm -hmm. doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. but I think that there's avenues and ways for us to continue doing what are what we're doing and serve our clients because I'm I'm guessing um just based upon our conversations that you love that as much as I do you know I never don't want to work behind the chair um because I'm, I'm so passionate about it and I love it so much but I do think there's so many opportunities to to keep elevating the industry and bring other opportunities and so that's why I was so excited when I connected with you on Instagram because I think what you're doing is so exciting and so awesome um and that was one of the questions I asked you because you're like, oh, I have this startup. And I'm like, oh, well, what's your background? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm a hairstylist. Because yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of people that come in from other industries to try to start something mm. um, in an industry that that's not necessarily their background. And quite frankly, I think it's best if it's, if it is hairstylist because we know the industry. Yeah. It was so funny. I was reflecting on that question that you asked me um, before we got on the call this morning. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. This is, that is actually part of where my, my journey has so many little aha moments 
So I feel like I'm still trying to get clear about how it all strung together. Yeah. Part of it was that I was trying to build an interdisciplinary studies degree because I was in college and I didn't, I knew what I wanted to do. I I knew I wanted to go to hair school and then I was going to do this and all these, I wanted to be an artist. And so I knew what I wanted, which classes I wanted to take. And, um, it was so, there was a lot of pushback of trying to create that degree, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of my clients had, uh, not a lot, but only a few of my really great now friend clients had had built interdisciplinary studies degrees. And so they mm-hmm. were like, you're so clear about what you want to do. You can do this. And that's how I started even learning about that word. And that's become one of my favorite words. I say it all the time I, because that is what hairdressers and artists and beauty professionals are. We are so interdisciplinary. And so it's like, that's kind of how Hair Voyage was born is that the more market research we started doing and there's people that knit during their, <laughs> they teach their clients how to knit. And that's like a little side biz. And then there's people doing coaching and athletics. And it was just like we said earlier, it's just, it's all connected, it's all relevant, it's all connected to the human, and Mm -hmm. you can create that expansion, but support is, is, like, the key. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I was going to try to add to it, but I think you kind of said it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) But I, so yeah, thank you for asking me that, because it caused me to, like, reflect, and I totally was blinded by my own story until you had said that um but yeah there there it is (laughs) there it is um I am so glad and so excited that we got to learn from you and how can people learn more from you and where where would you like them to reach out to you yeah thank you so much so you can find me on instagram at the real alexandra show and um, you can shoot me a DM or whatever you like on there. And then you can also find me on my website at www.thealexandrashow.com. And there is information about my upcoming course offerings and coaching. Yeah. And um, yeah, don't be shy. Reach out. Any questions are, are welcome. I'm so excited about your course. And I'm so excited for anyone that gets to work with you in coaching as well. Because you just have such a great presence. and so much knowledge so um thank you for sharing that with us today thank you so much for having me like I said I was so excited when I learned about what you were doing and it's just so awesome meeting other people in this industry that have such an incredible passion and I do I think it's I think it's the wave of the future so I'm really excited to to be on this journey with you I'm glad we connected